John chapter 1, verse 29. The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him, and saith, Behold the Lamb which taketh away the sin of the world. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your Son to be the Lamb of God, and that you did take away the sin of the world. And Lord, I am so thankful for that. Help us tonight as we look at your Son. Help us at Christmas time to find out what your mind is, what the mind of Christ is. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to talk about the mind of Christ at Christmas. All of us have a world view. Um, the, the German, Weltanschauung, and that is world look at. It's the way that you see the world. And it's more than just an opinion. It is the way that you process information. You know, you look at some people, and you, you watch these people. You see them at the mall, you see them out. And that person looked in the mirror and said, this looks good. You know that they have a different worldview than you do. How many of you understand what I'm talking about with that? And it's on so many different things, more than just fashion or any of those things. It's the way that you look at things. Our worldview is the mental and emotional filter that allows us to make choices consistent with what we believe to be true, significant, and appropriate. That filter is how we organize the information that we take in. And so our worldview becomes very important. Have you ever seen somebody do something or you find out somebody bought something or they've made a decision and the first thing that you think of is, how could you do that? Y'all know what I'm talking about? And they think it's great. They're pumped. It's a different worldview. It's the way that you process the information that you receive. Without a worldview, we'd be incapable of arriving at many of the hundreds of decisions we make each day because every option would seem just as appealing as every other. To make even minor choices, we rely on our sense of right and wrong, our sense of good and bad, our sense of useful and useless, our sense of appropriate and inappropriate. I'll give you an example of how things have changed. The, the, the World War II generation and those who had come through the Depression, that's the way that my father was. And Dad, he would never throw away an old lamp without cutting the cord off of it because he might need that for something someday. Uh, I can remember we'd sweep up the shop floor, and after we swept it up, I'd have to sift through it to see if there were any nails because we could use that again. I remember spending a whole week in the summer going through that can of nails and straightening them. I'm really bitter about this. But now, it's just a different worldview now, isn't it? You know, I think we talked about it maybe in the Wednesday night study a while back, that the idea of having, um, oh, what, what did they call it? There's a, in the basement where you'd keep your, your food. Just, just a cellar, is that what they'd call that? Huh? A pantry or whatever. But everybody put up quarts and quarts of tomatoes and cucumbers and whatever, corn, because you had to be prepared for the year. Man, we don't even think about that now. Oh, out of corn. Guess I'll go to the store and get some. It's a, that, see, that's worldview. That's worldview. Um, this worldview, these ideas, the, the, this filter, 
They're used to produce what we believe are the wisest choices. Jesus Christ had a worldview. Isn't that interesting? Jesus Christ, when He came into this earth, He saw things, and He processed what He saw, and He made judgment, valued judgments, on what He saw. Behaviors, attitudes. Wouldn't it be good to be able to think like Jesus Christ? That would be really helpful. So let's observe Jesus Christ a little bit tonight. Um, First of all, as we behold the Lamb... He had a foundation that was clear, reliable, and accessible. He had a foundation that was clear, reliable, and accessible. Go to Matthew chapter 4. By the way, did you all notice my fashion tonight? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. De Bears. Matthew chapter 4. Verse 1, Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Just think about that. That's why he went. To be tempted of the... What are you going to do? I'm going to be tempted of the devil. Jesus had a worldview. Jesus had something that he was there to accomplish. So, in verse 2, And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward and hungered. Now, how many of you might be in a bad state of mind after 40 days and 40 nights of no food. How many of you are basically in a bad mood right now because you need to eat something? (laughs) Right? This is when Jesus Christ was tempted. So at this point, I am beyond, I'm beyond that veneer of civilized person. You know, how are you? Oh, I'm fine today. How are you? Oh, it's nice to see you. Very nice to see you. That's that refined thing that we're taught, you know, from mom thumping us on the head. You know, look him in the eye, say hello. You know, right? At this point, that's gone. Uh, My opinions are gone. 40 days and 40 nights with no food. Now I am down to what I really believe, where I am, where I live. That's where Jesus Christ was at this point. So look at what happens. And we all know, everyone here knows, I'm sure. And verse 3, And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. This verse right here, this is Jesus Christ's foundation. The Word of God. This is what you're going to live by. The word, that is Jesus Christ's worldview. He just gave you what the mind of Christ is. This is His worldview. It was clear, reliable, and accessible. It's the Word of God. Now, obviously in this passage, Jesus Christ had memorized the Word of God. Now, let me tell you what I don't know. I don't know how much of the Bible Jesus Christ knew because He was God and He wrote it. And how much of it as a man, he had to actually physically go through the process of memorizing. But if he was tempted like as we are, yet without sin, I think that learning was part of that process. He grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. So I think this memorization process was a part of his growing. 
I think when he came into his own as the Son of God, recognized who he was as the Son of God, he then had access to those godly traits and that omniscience that he wouldn't have had before. But as a young man, he had to memorize the Word of God. He had to learn it. He had to know it. That was his foundation. He wasn't content simply to have the Scriptures available at the nearest temple. He memorized key passages in order to gain the guidance and assurance he needed in pivotal moments. And then he moored his teaching to the Word of God. Jesus Christ could have spoken new Scripture because He's the Word of God. Remember what the Bible said about him? If all the things that he did were recorded, even the books of the world couldn't contain it. So he could have spoken more, but he chose to quote what God had already written. He moored his teaching. He anchored his teaching to the word of God. So we're talking about Jesus Christ's worldview. How did he see the world? He saw it based on a foundation, a very clear foundation of the word of God. Then, and we could look that up, but... We, but we know that that's the case. Even when he was instructing the disciples, he would anchor his teaching to core scriptural passages. Then, he measured others' teachings by the Word of God. Now, we're talking about having a worldview that will be helpful. Jesus Christ had a foundation that was the Word of God. When he taught, he was teaching the Word of God. And when he heard teaching, he measured its truthfulness and effectiveness based on its uh, adherence to the Word of God. When he scolded the religious leaders of the day for their inappropriate decisions, he would challenge their knowledge and interpretation of Scripture. Look at Matthew chapter 12. This is pretty cool stuff. Matthew 12, we're going to start reading in verse 3. But he said unto them, Have ye not read what David did when he was in hunger? And they that were with him, how he entered into the house of God and did eat the showbread which was not lawful for him to eat, neither for them which were with him, but only for the priests? Or have ye not read in the law how that on the Sabbath days the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are blameless? But I say unto you that in this place is one greater than the temple. And that's Jesus Christ. He's greater than the temple. But notice what he said. Have you not read? Have you not heard? When he was challenged by religious people or he heard them teach, he compared it to the Word of God. Uh, Matthew chapter 19, verse 17. Look at verse 16 for the context. And behold, one came and said unto him, Good master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? And he said unto me, or and he said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. He saith unto him, Which? Jesus said, Thou shalt do no murder. Thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, honor thy father and thy mother, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. I've got to tell you, already this guy's in trouble. But look at what he says. And the young man saith unto him, All these things have I kept from my youth. What lack I yet? Jesus said unto him, If thou wilt be perfect, go and sell that thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. 
But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Thou shalt not covet. You see, Jesus Christ challenged and answered this man's question based on the Scripture. And that, that is just the best way to do it. When somebody asks you a question about what you believe, tell them, this is what the Bible says. God said, God said, God said. And if they say, I don't think you understand that passage. I don't think that's what that means. I don't think... Well, you tell me what it means then. Here, we'll just read it. And we'll see whose interpretation of it better aligns with what's being said. That's what's so good about being people of the book. That's why we've got to have that clear and understandable and acceptable foundation. Then we have to memorize it and learn it and be able to have it on our lips, on our minds immediately. And then we've got to make sure that we're teaching it. That's what the discipleship process is about. And then we're able to measure somebody else's teaching by it. It's good stuff. All right. So number one, he had a foundation that was clear, reliable and accessible, the word of God. Number two, he had a focus that was narrow. This is where I mess up. How many of you have noticed that I struggle with focus? Jesus Christ. Don't you raise your hand. I'll beat you like pancake batter. Where was I? Oh, yeah. He had focus that was narrow. What was his focus? The will of God. That's laughing at me. His focus was the will of God. I'll, I'll bring them into it. I'm not supposed to do this, but I break rules all the time. I was just doing some pre-marriage counseling with Eric and Holly. And, and that's always my goal when I do pre-marriage counseling. As you go into the marriage, put Jesus Christ first. Every step of the way, think about him. Think about him. Think about him. But you know what I'm supposed to do after being married for 20 years? Put Jesus Christ first in my marriage. Think about Him. Think about Him. Focus on the will of God. You know, if I'm focused on the will of God, I'm going to make a lot less mistakes, and I'm going to accomplish more for the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ had a focus that was narrow, and that was the will of God. Jesus was the very definition of narrow-mindedness. So now let's look at him conveying his focus. Look at John 6, 38. John 6, 38. Christ speaking, conveying his focus. For I came down from heaven, not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. Now, how many of you think that you have more rights than Jesus Christ? You know, the one that made it all. The one who owns everything. Isn't that interesting? And yet we think, well, I want to do what I want to do today. I know what this Christian stuff is. I know what God wants. But today, this is my day. You can't take a day off from being a Christian. You can't take a day off from being God's child. You can't do that. And that's where that focus is narrow. So let, let's, let's paraphrase this and apply it to us. You're not going to go out into the world tomorrow to do your will, but the will of Him that has sent you. That was Jesus Christ conveying His focus. How about the content of His focus? 
What was the content of Jesus Christ's focus? It was the limitless knowledge and character of the Word of God. His focus was this narrow. That was his focus. That's who we're supposed to be, but we can't be that if we don't know this. That's why our foundation has to be clear, reliable, and accessible. It has to be memorized. It has to be part of our teaching, and it has to be the way that we measure other people's teaching. And it was the center of his focus. He spent time alone with God, seeking solitude to hear the voice of his Father in heaven. Look at Matthew 14. He spent time alone so that he could hear the voice of God. How many of you moms would just love some time alone? Yeah, it's coming, don't worry. Matthew 14 and verse 12. And his disciples came and took up the body and buried it and went and told Jesus. When Jesus heard of it, he departed thence by ship into a desert place. And when the people had heard thereof, they followed him on foot out of the cities. And Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion toward them, and he healed, the, uh, he healed their sick. But what was he trying to do? He was trying to go into a quiet place and be alone. Why? Because God the Son needed to meet God the Father. God the Son needed to hear from God the Father. God the Son needed to spend time alone with God the Father. Then we need to do that. We need to make it a point to find some time alone with God. That's the center of his focus. He fasted in order to remind himself to focus on God. That's Matthew 4.2. He identified and promoted his God-given mission, seeing that purpose as the priority of his life. It's Matthew 16, verses 13 through 20. He prayed constantly for guidance, as in the garden, Matthew 26, 36 through 42. The message to us is that when we passionately desire to focus on God, and invest in doing so, God will sustain the connection. Focus on Him. He'll speak to you. He'll lead you. He'll guide you. You'll never go wrong doing what God has commanded you to do in His Word. Then He had a filter that was different. He had a filter that was different, a biblical perspective. Jesus Christ's filter eliminated assumptions and expectations in favor of a stringent analysis of facts and scriptural principles. He challenged people's ideas with statements like, and I love this one, you have heard, but I say. That's good, isn't it? Yeah, you, here's what people say. Yeah, but here's what God says. Somebody will come and give you some great wisdom. Follow your heart. Well, the heart of man is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Yeah, let's follow that. Imagine if somebody came up to your child and said, here's what I want you to do. Follow something that's desperately wicked and deceitful. That'll help you a lot. You know, that's what follow your heart means. Jiminy Cricket is wrong. <laughs> See, the idea is we test what we hear carefully by the Word of God. Most slogans are wrong. All right. Then, he had a faith that was powerful. Supernatural faith. One of the secrets of Jesus' power was his willingness to do what he knew was right. 
This is lost on most Christians. We know what's right, but we're not always willing to do what's right. That takes courage, doesn't it? It's hard to stand up and do that. And you guys are the ones that do it. Keep doing it. Keep standing. Um, This is such a good statement. We know and believe the truth, but fail to act upon that knowledge, and so we lose our power and we get discouraged. A genuine Christ-like worldview must be acted upon. And then Christ-like faith is multifaceted. He was realistic. He knew that his efforts to do the will of God would bring him suffering. Look at Luke chapter 4. Luke 4. Behold the Lamb. Verse 24. And he said, Verily I say unto you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. But I tell you of a truth, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elias, when the heaven was shut up at three years and six months, when great famine was throughout all the land. But unto none of them was Elias sent, save unto Seraphta, a city of Sidon, unto a woman that was a widow. And many lepers were in Israel at the time of Elias the prophet, and none of them were as cleansed, saving name in the Syrian. And when they in the synagogue, I'm sorry, and all they in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath, and rose up and thrust him out of the city, and led him into the brow of the hill whereupon their city was built, that they might cast him down headlong. Jesus Christ knew when he stood up to tell the people the truth that God was going to do his work through Gentiles. When he stood up to tell them that, he knew that they were going to want to kill him. And he still did it. You see, that's understanding the will of God. Knowing the word of God and be willing to, being willing to stand and act on the word of God. When you know it will cause you trouble. That's obedience to the word of God. That's a biblical mindset. That is what happens when you behold the Lamb. He had no anxiety about the consequences because he knew that as long as he honored God and allowed the Holy Spirit to work through him, his perspectives and choices were appropriate. So here are a couple of questions. Is learning to think like Jesus beyond our grasp? No. We can do it. God has provided us with all the tools the foundation, the Word of God, the skills needed to focus, that's the power of the Holy Spirit, the filter, that's the lens of Scripture, the means of faith, and that's the Holy Spirit in us again, the gift of faith that He gives us. All of these will enable us to follow Jesus Christ's example. And then we will genuinely behold the Lamb and have the mind of Christ at Christmas. It's amazing how people lose their scriptural filter at Christmas. That doesn't even make sense. But they do. They do. Let's make sure that we focus on Him. Amen? Let's end the year right. Let's start the next year right. Thank you, Lord, for your word.